yeah, everything's at stake. And we're going into a great environment next week in, in Minnesota. And, you know, it's going to be a great challenge. But this is what we prepare for every day, every week. We'll be excited about that opportunity. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So this is going to come up at some point during tonight's show. We might as well just do it now. Uh, the UWL chancellor is out for reasons that are, I mean, it's absolutely hilarious, right? If you haven't seen the story, he has been involved in adult entertainment. And I brought this up to someone this afternoon. And they're like, well, is that necessarily wrong what he does in his free time? And I'm like, well, you know, well, this friend didn't understand. No, he was starring in the <laughs> He was appearing in the adult videos. If you haven't read about this, my God, please stop whatever you're doing and go read about it. Joe Gao out. Uh, Almost Craig Council-esque. He was the, I believe, the longest tenured chancellor in the UW system. Longest or second longest, which is what I felt like we were always saying with Council as manager of the Brewers. I guess he's still tenured. He's just tenured on a different team now. And he is excited about that challenge and so on. So is his family. Speaking of family, Joe Gao appearing in these adult films with his wife. Um, I interviewed him once upon a time on a podcast and it was in college and it was with two of my buddies and I have spent the last hour of my, okay, well, that's not true. If my boss is listening and wondering how I allocate my time, it was like the last 10 minutes before the show. I have so many Google Drive accounts and folders and organization systems for audio because I've been doing a daily radio show since 2018. So saved podcasts, saved segments, saved interviews, saved imaging, saved everything. Um, Everything, everything, everything. I can't find it. I need to find it. I won't be able to go to bed tonight if I don't find it. I, I must find this interview. He talked about uh, being a vegan, talked about his love for music. We didn't talk about, you know, porn. It didn't come up because that mostly just doesn't come up. Um, (laughs) That just doesn't. It's not something that comes up in reasonable conversation. I cannot. I cannot find this podcast. And I really wish I could. I'm going to dedicate my whole night to this. I, I don't know if it's in a Yahoo file somewhere. If it's in like a school email, I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere. The only bit of audio I could find was the intro or the copyright disclaimer that got played at the beginning of our podcast. Our podcast was uh, called Three Guys, One Pod. Hilarious. I know. Listen to this. This is I produced this like my freshman year of college. This is I I don't want to say it's genius. I don't want to pat myself on the back like this, but listen to this. This is funny. This podcast is copyrighted by Three Guys, One Pod for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast or any pictures, descriptions, or accounts of this podcast without our consent is prohibited. I mean, that's kick-ass. That's the one piece of audio I can find. Uh, So I am am scouring the internet. I know it's somewhere. I swear to God, I'm going to find it. With now, I don't even want to say disgraced Chancellor Joe Gao. Just he's now no longer in education and he just works in adult entertainment. So hats off to him. Go Eagles. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had an awesome day. 
We're going to be joined by two great guests this evening. Perry Goldstein, who does the Packs What She Said podcast with Maggie Loney. And she is one of the the arms in the bullpen of Andy Herman's Pack-A-Day empire. She's going to be here at 4.30. Mike Clemens will join us at 5.30. Going to discuss the Jair suspension with both of them. How the offense is growing. How the defense is... It's doing Packers defense things. I guess this is nothing new. Uh, it's a different verse of the same song we've been seeing most of our lives with this Packers team outside of a couple of years. So we'll talk about all of the things going on with the Green Bay Packers with both Perry and with Mike, 4.30, 5.30, respectively. I almost said respectfully, but respectfully, too, with respect to Perry and Mike. Uh, they'll be joining us tonight. I want to talk a little bit about the NFL big picture. This Russell Wilson benching is fascinating. And you know me, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, there are few people in the world, let alone the sports media world, with a lower opinion of Russell Wilson relative to the masses. Like, Russell Wilson is obviously, and, and, and had been, especially in Seattle, a good quarterback. I think people have been nuts over the years saying Hall of Famer, saying MVP. I can't believe he's never gotten an MVP vote. I can, because I watch the games. And I watch the other quarterbacks in football, and he can't hold Aaron Rodgers' jock. He couldn't hold Tom Brady's jock. I don't even think Drew Brees' relative, again, to the masses, was that good. Russell Wilson couldn't hold Drew Brees' jock. Peyton Manning's jock. Like, but that being said, my opinion of Russell Wilson is not high. But I think the Broncos are kind of doing him dirty, kind of, but also not. It's a cutthroat business, the NFL. So I want to talk about some of the factors at play with the Broncos, with Russell Wilson, with Sean Payton, and just another example of a high-profile, high-cost uh, quarterback trade gone wrong. There's been quite a few of them the last few years. So I don't know if the dumb teams are going to keep doing these trades or if the league at large is going to learn from some of the mistakes of uh, the Broncos with Russell Wilson or the Browns with Deshaun Watson, for example. The Jets with Aaron Rodgers, that book is still unwritten, as Vanessa Carlton would sing. That's Vanessa Carlton. The rest is still unwritten. We're not sure, but that trade hasn't exactly been a slam dunk. Is it anyone's fault? No, but, you know, the, these are the risks that you run when you require an aging quarterback for a good amount of draft capital and a lot of money. So I want to talk about that at 5 o'clock. No calls tonight, but you can tweet me at Wisco Grant. And if you're able to find that old podcast, I scrubbed it off the Internet. Like, it's not there anymore because my college podcast is not living forever on the Internet. That's no, no, nothing good can come of that. Um but I have it saved somewhere in one of these folders somewhere. It's going to be a good project. I'm going to hack into the mainframe tonight. It's going to look like a hacker movie in my apartment. Uh, but Twitter, if you want to be part of the show, at Wisco Grant. I want to start the show by asking you, genuinely, this is not a rhetorical question. I'm 100% serious when I ask this. Am I underreacting to the Jair Alexander suspension? Am I underestimating how big of a deal this is? Am I underappreciating what this could mean for what's going on in the locker room behind closed doors, as Charlie Rich would sing? Am I underreacting to this? I really like Matt LaFleur, but maybe Matt LaFleur is a, a loose Lucy. Maybe he doesn't have the bravado and gravitas to command an NFL locker room. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I really like Matt LaFleur, especially relative to most. Uh, again, I always judge my opinions against the opinions of everyone else. When I say I don't like Russell Wilson, that's not me saying I don't think he's good. That's me saying I don't think he's as good as most people think he is, right? I really like Matt LaFleur 
relative to, I think, the average perception of Packer fans, which right now it seems to be pretty low. Like a lot of people look for reasons to criticize Matt LaFleur, look for reasons to say the Packers should move on from Matt LaFleur. I really like Matt LaFleur relative to most, but this is a take hill that I'm not willing to die on. Like I'm fair and balanced. Right? If Matt LaFleur does start to lose this team at some point, it seems like he's no longer the guy, then I'll say it and call balls and strikes. But it seems to me that a lot of Packers fans love to ring the alarm. Love to claim that the locker room is lost. Right? Seems like a lot of Packers fans love to come for Mark Murphy for some reason. Like any chance we get to go for Mark Murphy, we, we do it. Oh, Mark Murphy, he, he only cares about money. He, he doesn't really care about winning championships. He, he just cares about the Titletown district, and, and he's just content with making the playoffs. And, and it's all about that damn sledding hill. It's, it's, he thinks more about the sledding hill than he does about actual titles and winning Super Bowls, it, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How often do we hear those types of things? You know who I never think about? Mark Murphy. He takes up such little real estate in my brain. I cannot describe to you how, how little and, and how infrequently I think of Mark Murphy. The role that he plays in this team, his retirement date, which, by the way, is something the Packers fans obsess about. Like anytime we're thinking of acquiring a player, we're thinking of extending a player, we're thinking of drafting a player, we're thinking of making a change on the coaching staff. It's like, well, Mark Murphy's going to retire in like six years. Do you really think he wants this on his resume? Like, why do you why do you consider that? Why do you think about that? I've never once cared about Mark Murphy and how much time he has left being in charge of the Packers. Never. And yet it seems like so many Packers fans, anytime we have a chance to rag on Mark Murphy and talk about, oh, he's not doing his job and he needs to be held accountable. We love it. We love it rabid we love going after him and I think it's because Packers fans you know we've had it so good for so long relative to the rest of the league right the Packers have not been stacking Super Bowls like the Patriots they've had a lot of disappointing playoff losses right so so we've suffered but we've also enjoyed a very high floor for a very long time we've been able to wake up every Sunday for about 30 years and expect to win and that's a lot more than most franchises can say. Just about every franchise. That's more than just about every franchise. So we've had it relatively so good for so long that I don't think we really know what dysfunction actually is. I don't think Packers fans truly grasp what a bad owner is like, what a really bad coach is like, what a locker room gone south is like. Because we've seen other fans go through it. We've seen other teams and other organizations, other fan bases go through it. So we think we understand it. And we think that we need to act, right? It, it reminds me of, of when I was little. I remember this very well. I don't know why. I found an old first aid kit in the garage or in, we grew up, I grew up on a lake and we had this old boathouse that my dad has since redone. It's very nice now. But back in the day, it was, it was old, right? And my dad hadn't, we hadn't done any work on it yet. And it, it was always like his thing. He wanted to restore it. So there were things down there from the people who previously owned the property or for like things got put down there in storage, whatever. And I remember when I was young, I was playing outside because that's what we did. Kids these days could never. And I went down there and I, I found this old first aid kit and it had like a bandage in there and like disinfectant spray, like all the, the, the first aid things. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. I can't wait to use this first aid kit. So for like a week, 
I, I would always be ready. It's like, oh, if I scrape my knee, if I do that, like, it was almost like I, I wanted to suffer a small injury so I could use this first aid kit that I found. I remember I, like, almost purposefully scraped my knee on the steps. I'm like, oh, now I can use this first aid. Like, I wanted to put into action that first aid kit, but come on. It's not, it's not like I was gashing open my, my thigh, right, or, like, like getting a like breaking a fingernail off. No, but I but I found this first aid kit and I wanted to use it. And I think in sports, right, Packers fans, we've had it so good for so long. We've seen other fan bases go through dysfunctional ownership. We've seen other fan bases go through coaches that have lost the locker room. And it's like, wow, I've seen that. I know what that is. Oh, oh, but but that this isn't it, you guys. Does the analogy make sense? Maybe it's a little bit of a reach, but it's almost like because I had this first aid kit, I wanted injury to come upon me so I could use the first aid kit and with Packers fans it's like well we've seen all these other organizations and fan bases like run a coach out of town or complain about bad ownership and and we think that right now we need to do that and trust me we don't the Packers are seven and eight Jordan Love has built an awesome foundation year one I don't know that he's going to be great like top five quarterback MVP candidate in the league but I'm pretty sure he's pretty good And all of the stats would back that up. They're on the doorstep of the playoffs. So Packers fans, if this is what a lost locker room looks like, if this is what dysfunction looks like, if this is what inept ownership, and I say ownership in air quotes because Mark Murphy really isn't the owner, if this is bad, then we're doing okay. Calm down. Okay? Packers fans, we're all riled up. We're we're dying for a cause. You, You need a cause, go join the Peace Corps. Okay? I think things in Green Bay are are mostly okay, mostly okay. Now, I believe the locker room to be fine, but this team is far from perfect, right? I'm not telling you that every little part of this team is prim and proper and perfect. No, that's not what I'm saying. There's things that need to be addressed on this team, specifically the defense. Um, Now, the offense is young, and and we need to wait for them to grow and get better and get more consistent. The defense, I, I think they need to start from scratch. So let's talk about the defense. That's the problematic part of this team. And Joe Barry has taken so much crap. Some of it's fair, some of it not. This isn't all on him. And this week especially, since I got back from Christmas vacation and we've kind of got back into the swing of talking about sports, this has been bugging me all week. And I've wanted to rant about this for a couple days. Finally, I I feel like I've, I've been able to collect my thoughts and put into words my frustrations with this Packers defense. Okay? The Packers offense is the youngest offense in NFL history, have a first-time starting quarterback, and a pile of injuries. Christian Watson's missed a bunch of time. Jaden Reed is now missing time. Dontavian Wicks is missing time. Luke Musgrave is missing time. Aaron Jones missed a ton of time. Jordan Love's running game for a lot of this year was a fullback, basically, and A.J. Dillon. Respectfully to A.J. Dillon, because I've kind of come full circle now. Like, now I think he's sneaky underrated and pretty good in the role that he's designed to have. But it's not like... Jordan Love had a really supportive running game or a veteran-laden wide receiver group or an elite offensive line. No, this offense had a laundry list of reasons to stink. And they've been really, really good. Once they got over that that early season hump where they finally, I think, started to click and everyone started to line up and run the right routes and the offensive line kind of figured out some protections and rotations and things, it clicked. They've been great. Right, Mina Kimes was, there was a a clip of her going around Packers Twitter today about all these great stats. This Packers offense coming down the stretch is really, really, really good. But they had a laundry list of reasons to stink. And despite those reasons, they've been really good. They've kept their heads down. They put in the time. They built chemistry. They got the train on the tracks. 
but the defense compared to the offense. So Jair's 27. He makes 30 million a year. Kenny Clark is 28. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, really good player. Rashawn Gary's 26 years old, right in his prime, 25 million a year. Devondre Campbell's 30. He's been around the block. He's a veteran. He's experienced. He made an all-pro team a couple of years ago. I don't think he's that guy anymore, but he doesn't suck. Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, Lucas Van Ness, all first-round picks. Am I missing something? Am I am I missing something? Because I, I don't think that this defense should be the best defense in football. They're non-functional. They're, they, can't, they can't do anything the last couple weeks. They're disorganized. They can't get plays in. Matt LaFleur had to take a, a timeout on a third down against Carolina because they had 12 men on the field. I mean, they are, it's not that they're not great. It's that they are a tire fire. And I cannot make that make sense in my head that the offense filled with 23-year-olds went through early adversity, took it in stride, figured it out, and on the defensive side of the ball, where the veterans are, where the experience is, where the accolades are, they are a tire fire. And it's not just Joe Barry. Jair Alexander is one of the best players in the world at his position. He makes $30 million a year, and he's butthurt that he didn't make captain after missing seven or eight games. What is it? What is this, middle school? This is seventh grade acting like a baby because you didn't get elected to student council? Are you a child? This is the National Football League. Devondre Campbell is tweeting through his feelings like I would, like Drake would. He's an NFL player that's making big money and playing an important role wearing the green dot on the defense. He's tweeting through his feelings, and now he's getting his wife to do it too? You guys are a bunch of kids. Grow up. Like, I know you don't like your boss. Welcome to everyone else's world, except for me. I love my boss. Again, if my boss is listening. I actually do love my boss. I always have loved my bosses. I've been really lucky. But a lot of people aren't lucky. And they don't really love the way they're treated by their boss. Well, I do things differently. I don't agree. That's America. Okay, Jair? Oh, you don't think the scheme is great. Okay, can you act a little bit like an adult? Devondre Campbell, can we act a little bit like an adult? Can we have some pride and some sense of of, uh, accountability and ownership in the work that we're doing? Because you guys... It's not just that the defense is bad. It's that they are not functional. And I look across to the other side of the field with the offense. They have a bunch of college-age kids. They have 23-year-olds who figured it out, who went through adversity, who dealt with injuries, and figured it out. And this defense is full of a bunch of expensive guys in their prime, talented guys in their prime, who are sad because they weren't made a captain. Or, well, I don't like my coordinator, so I'm now going to tweet about it and create a mess for everyone else in my locker room. You know what? I'm almost on Joe Barry's team because his players are, right now, they're a joke. They're a joke. Grow up. That is my advice to Jair Alexander and, 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 um, Devondre Campbell and all these players on the defense who are massively underperforming. And we expect to, like, well, it's not our fault. Our coordinators suck. No, there are a lot of bad coordinators in football. You guys are embarrassing on a week to week basis. And, and it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, you don't feel any shame. You don't feel any embarrassment that a bunch of 23-year-olds on offense have figured it out and you guys are tweeting through your feelings and bitching about how you weren't made a captain like it's seventh grade. I might be on Joe Barry's side here. These players are a joke. And I would get rid of, and I think Jair's good, and I think he's a little eccentric. But if you were telling me that you you wanted to completely turn the page and get a lot of, get rid of a lot of these guys, I'd be fine with it. 
because these guys are all wired the wrong way and have the wrong priorities, and they act like a bunch of children when all the real children on this team are on offense, and they've figured it out. They have to be the adults in the room. It's just embarrassing. Grow up. What what a shameful defense. All these guys. It's a joke. Let's take a three-minute break. Wisco Sports Show. We'll continue talking about this next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show perry goldstein packs what she said podcast swing man or swing woman in the pack a day crew as well catch her sometimes with andy or alex strauf or whoever else is doing the pack a day podcast uh, she's going to join us after the bottom of the hour after our next break mike clemens at 5 30 so just about an hour away we'll talk with mike five o'clock i want to talk about some of the other stories around the nfl including a quarterback announcement from the minnesota vikings today they're going to start their rookie <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about that. And this Broncos, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton love triangle. It, you look, you will find very few people with a lower opinion of Russell Wilson than me. Um, and I kind of might halfway be on Russell Wilson's side a little bit. Not 100%, but I, I, I do feel for him in this situation. The reporting of Jordan Schultz, uh, the son of Howard Schultz, CEO of Starbucks. Imagine being born to the son or or imagine being born to a father like that, where it's like, Hey, we have all the money in the world. What do you want to do for a career? Oh, you want to be a sports insider? Go ahead, son. And I guess I like, I'm, I was privileged to a certain degree to kind of get to do what I want. But we're just talking about this with friends last week. And like, imagine just being born to Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Like I I just can't fathom being born into a situation like that how wild your life would be. I need to know a little bit more about Jordan Schultz, uh, who broke a lot of the details in this Broncos, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton story. Um, I'm interested. I read, uh, I don't think it was Howard Schultz's book, but I read the story about uh, Starbucks. What's it called? My parents gave me the book. It was really good. I'm going to Google that over the next break. Uh, so I, look, I'm a, I'm a Howard Schultz guy. Jordan Schultz, son of, of billionaire CEO, I, I struggle with. But his information is good. He's on the herd. Colin Cowherd blesses his information. I guess I will as well. The Broncos stuff is is very interesting. What's been going on behind the scenes? Uh, Cone Roller tweets in. You can tweet in the show. We don't do calls on Thursday, but you can tweet if you'd like. At Wisco Grant, Cone Roller says, is the reason Gudikin's third round picks blow uh, because he's been watching tape from his alma mater? Now, we could take this two ways, Cone. I'm assuming that this is a joke that he's been watching tape as in adult entertainment uh, the type of films that former UWL Chancellor Joe Gao has been acting in. That's funny. Uh, if you're considering or if you're saying that he's when watching film of the UWL football team, uh, I can't imagine how that would negatively impact his draft picks. UWL had a great year, a fantastic year. Almost knocked off the, the defending national champs, came down to one possession, as most games do in the WEAC and at the Division Three level. It's a very competitive, very stacked, loaded division of football. Uh, Shaf tweeted just a, it's not a graph, it's a map. Um, and it's Vegas insider analyzing the golfers that were most frequently searched on Google throughout the U S. And if you want to see this, I retweeted it at Wisco grant. Most of the country was tiger woods. 
Utah was Tony Finau. Is Tony Finau Mormon or something? I wonder why that is. Uh, there's a couple of one-offs, but Wisconsin is Paige Sporanic. And I, it could be multiple reasons. It could be, you know, her appearance. It could also be the fact that the Brewers turned her into a bit of an icon this summer. So thank you for the tweets. Vagabond John agreeing with my take about the Packers defense as well. Look, Joe Barry's a problem. He's got to go. His entire staff has got to go. I want to start scorched earth, right? You know, when a wildfire burns down a patch of wood, sometimes it can be healthy because it allows for new growth, stronger growth. I want to take the wildfire approach to the Packers defense. I want the coordinator gone. I want every single one of his assistants gone. I want anyone that's been involved with this Packers defense in any form or fashion out of there. We're starting over. So on one hand, coordinators, coaches got to go. On the other hand, I'm looking at this Packers defense. These guys need to they need to grow up. Are, are they not embarrassed? Do they have no shame? Jair Alexander has been bad or missing this year. And sometimes you get hurt. That's not the end of the world. Right? I don't hold that against him. But when he's been healthy, he hasn't been good. He's been weird and obstructive in press conferences. And this last week, he gets butthurt because his team didn't select him as a captain. Like it's sophomore year of high school. Oh, I wanted to be captain. You're in the NFL. You make $30 million a year. Grow up. Devondre Campbell tweeting through his feelings. What is this? Your wife tweeting through your feelings too? Like you guys, you guys... I understand you don't like your coordinator, or so it would seem. And I understand that this has been a frustrating season, but this is pathetic. There are a lot of people that don't like their boss. They go to work every day. They do their best. They, for the most part, take pride in their work. Again, I'm I'm not asking the Packers to have the best defense in the league. I want them to be functional. I want them to not be an embarrassment. And these guys are seemingly comfortable with being an embarrassment. And that's not Joe Barry's fault. Like, Take some pride in your work. Take some pride in what you put on tape every week. This is a joke. Tweeting three, tweeting. I can't wait for this season to be over. Devondre Campbell's wife tweets, "What a loser! I'm out on Devondre Campbell. I'm out on Jair for now, which is why he's been suspended. That's why it was the correct choice. He comes back, and let's see what it looks like. Let's take a five minute break. We'll come back and talk about all this with our friend Perry Goldstein from the Packs What She Said podcast, Wisco Sports Show. Back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. Mike Clemens will be here in one hour. Joe Barry speaking with the media right now. I just have to read the replies to the tweet that the Packers official account (laughs) sends out or the YouTube chat because it's broadcasted live on their YouTube page. It's funny. Not for Joe Barry. He should um, he should not read the comments. But for the rest of us, it's pretty funny. But Joe Barry would say that's what's so great about this league. The standard... (laughs) Standard is that high. Uh, I wonder if he actually believes that or if that's just what he says to... I mean, he's getting paid good money. I'm not going to cry tears for Joe Barry. Perry Goldstein talked with her earlier today. Let's listen to that conversation. Some really good discourse about Jair Alexander, the Packers defense, and the Packers offense as well. So here's our conversation. Enjoy. Perry Goldstein is back. Packs what she said podcast with Maggie Loney. Uh, it's one of my favorite Packers podcasts. And there are a lot of Packers podcasts. I don't just throw that around. It's you and Andy Herman, basically. Perry are my two uh, main squeezes. And Pete, a- occasionally. I do dabble in Pete Bukowski's work as well. How have you been? I'm good. That just really made my heart swell a little uh, bit. Andy's been crushing it, I will say. Andy has been 
crushing it. But uh, I'm good. I cannot believe it's week 17. Like, the season's going to end? No. I, and I'm kind of bummed because I know the Packers have lost more games than usual this year. This is... Like, I'm having a lot of... I don't want to say this is the most fun I've had watching the Packers in a while because I think that's a little unreasonable. But I've had a ball this year. Now, the Broncos and the Raiders game, those weren't fun. But I was also kind of able to move past those thinking it's like, well, maybe Jordan Love's not the guy. Maybe that... Maybe. Like, I, I don't know. But the last two months, I've had a blast watching all these young wide receivers, watching Jordan Love. I'm having a good time this season, no matter how it ends. This season has been fun because so much of the last decade plus has been kind of set in stone for us you just knew what to expect going into it and you had basically one expectation every single season which was Super Bowl or this different set of expectations and that was cool you know just different and um I think and I hope other fans feel this way too but I think that this offense will will, will separate them out um totally ex- over exceeded my expectations um looking at the season as a whole now we can kind of look in hindsight at week 17 um I think we have our guy in the quarterback which was best case scenario and it has been fun it's been really fun because it's just been a total surprise take everything in stride and I think for the last decade it's like you wake up on Sunday you expect to win and if you don't it's a nightmare it's a catastrophe and it's a, it is a privilege to contend and to be one of those teams, but it wears on you. Like ask what Bills fans are feeling right now after the last couple of years. And even Chiefs fans and Eagles fans, like their team top five odds in the Super Bowl and they're miserable because their team has issues and they're disappointing. And it seems like they're going to come up short of their goals. So I, I get it. It's definitely a different type of season. And I don't want this to be the rest of my life as a Packers fan, but it's been a nice change of pace. And I think Jordan Love and this offense has been better than I could have expected. But yet a lot of Packers fans right now are, we're on tilt a little bit because of the Giants loss, because of the Bucks loss, and now because of what's going on with Jair. You've been a defender of Jair. I think you're pretty reasonable and common sense about him. Like, I think we both probably agree that he was just hurt. I don't think there was some conspiracy about him sitting out and not wanting to be in Green Bay. But this last week was a little odd. I feel like the suspension is warranted. I don't think it's a sign that the locker room is falling apart. Uh, what say you about this Jair business that's kind of come to a head? I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's been a really weird season for him. Unfortunately, he's dealt with a number of injuries and I think that this suspension has nothing to do with those injuries. Um, And I think, look, jaw, I think there's a lot of variables here in that jaw is also like a very unique personality, right? He's not your typical NFL player. He handles himself in like a, just a very different way. He's very eccentric. He, speaks to the media in a very different way. He meditates, you know, and I, that's my favorite thing about him is that he doesn't present himself like your cookie cutter NFL player. And he can be a leader in the locker room without being that way. However, like this is a very young team and the, front office and the coaching staff has to set a precedent for what you can and cannot do, especially at the leadership level when you're a quote unquote player led team. Um, He did something that is not acceptable and he is suffering consequences for it. Plain and simple. Um, It's one game. Unfortunately, it's a game where they kind of need him. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson, but 
that is really all it is to me. Uh, I don't think it's any more than that. I don't think it's anything to freak out about. I understand in like the context of the greater uh, season and all the rest of the things that have been going on around Ja, like how you can try to blow it up more than that. I just don't think there really is any more to it. I would tend to agree. And if that turns out to not be the case and this gets weirder in the office, okay, sure. I, I just, I don't like to act like the sky is falling until I'm sure that the sky is falling or until I see evidence that the sky is falling. Why do you think the defense is not as good as it could be? Because I, there are some that would say like, this defense has the talent to be, I don't think they have great talent, but they have talent to be better than this. So why, if I asked you, why is she, why is this defense better? What would be your like your elevator pitches to why there's a million reasons, but what's your big reason? Oh, I have a a reason that I have been preaching for probably two seasons now, which is that I do not think the scheme fits the type of players that they have. Like Brian Gutekunst has a very clear cut. And I think any Packers fan who pays attention to the draft or this like develop, you know, draft and develop process the Packers have can point to traits that he loves to draft right he loves high rass guys he loves a more developmental player especially when it comes to like edge rushers and he loves like super moldable athletic types and i think all of like the dbs they're super sticky more man corners this is a scheme that's heavy zone why are you drafting guys that are going to be better in like press man situations to fit into a scheme that's heavy zone, heavy soft coverage. I just, I think there's some kind of disconnect between the front office and the way they want to draft and who is calling the place. That is my elevator pitch. I would like them to bring in someone who can call a defense that fits the level of talent that they have. The type of talent, I should say, that they have. I think it's unfair to expect like a top five defense from this personnel, um, especially because they've made trades. They've had injuries. At times I I thought like top five, top 10 defense is reasonable. I I don't think it's unreasonable to expect this defense to not suck. And like they're a fire drill. We're talking about two different things. It's one thing to expect best in the league. And it's another to just want it to not. Like it's not functioning. It's not working. Their success rate is literally not functioning. And my thing is, is that, you can look around the league and at a lot of defenses and say, okay, they have a top corner and a top edge rusher. You can do a lot with that. The Packers have, like, Ja hasn't played, but, like, put that aside. Let's say Ja plays all season. You have a top corner, Mm -hmm. an all-pro corner, and a top edge rusher. You also have one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, Kenny Clark, right? You can... Quay, I think, is going to develop into a very good, very good. He already is inside linebacker. Again, I don't think he's being used correctly, but that's beside the point. You have a, put that aside, you have three top-tier players. You can do a lot with that, and they are 30th in DBOA right now. Like, that is just underperforming beyond measure. Well, and they don't have anything that they do well. You know, like I thought this defense was supposed to limit big plays and to like, like play with a lead, for example. And they've had the lead twice in the last two weeks and like they couldn't do anything with the Panthers. And part of me is like, hey, good for Bryce Young. Like that's I'm happy for him. And I'm like, I'm happy that the top pick had his day. 
because um, the NFL is better when top quarterback draft picks hit. But also, it's like how you non-functioning is the correct word. Like they didn't do any when they get home with their pass rush, they don't do anything with it because then they turn around on second and twenty and give it up. So again, I'm not expecting the 85 Bears. I would like it to occasionally work, though. Well, you made a perfect point, which is that if you're going to be set up to, okay, we're going to maybe not care so much about the run, but we're going to limit the big play, do it. They don't do that. They have given up explosive plays in every game for the last month since the Chiefs game. So you're not doing what you say you're going to do. You're bending and breaking you're making the nfc offensive player of the week every week for three weeks in a row bryce young is going to turn around and say yeah that game against green bay my first year as a starter that was the week that really set me off for my career like that is not something to be proud of and what this team i think should be really good at and is really good at is rushing the passer but they do it in inopportune moments. I think all of the things that Green Bay does well, they do it and then they give up third and long. And it just is so moot <laughs> because you did something good and it just simply didn't matter. It was on the wrong down. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast, Pack a Day. I love when you're in the rotation. You and Alex and Andy, it's a great trio when you guys team up. Um so Joe Barry's taking a lot of flack. And I don't even think it's it's all his fault. I think there's a defensive culture that's persisted in Green Bay for a while that's bad. I also don't really believe in these assistant coaches to get the most out of these players. Like, they've been bringing in blue chippers forever, and they they never really get anything on the plus end. It's like, oh, he was fine, and then eventually they leave or, you know. So it's not all Joe Barry's fault. I think the players should take a little bit of flack in what's happened with this defense because, you know, we talk about the Packers offense. It's like they got a bunch of kids. It's the youngest offense in NFL history. And they took their lumps earlier in the year and they stayed late. They studied film. They said the right things and they've been great and they've suffered injuries and they keep Bo Melton steps in and is great. And then on the other side of the ball, it's like, okay, so Jair's making, you know, millions of dollars every year. He's in his prime. Kenny's in his prime. Rashawn Gary got paid. He's in his prime. Vondre Campbell, all pro Savage Van Ness, all these first round picks. It's like you guys are whining about not being made captain. You're tweeting your feelings out onto the internet. Your significant others are tweeting. Do you guys have no pride? Like you are being outclassed. This has nothing to do with Joe Barry. Oh, you don't like your boss. A lot of people don't like their boss and they still show up and do their work and they're functioning employees. This defense isn't functional and they're being outclassed by a bunch of 23 year olds. And I I just look at these players. I'm like, I want to feel bad for you with Joe Barry, but this is kind of pathetic. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, execution is obviously part of it, right? You can, you, you, it's, it is not all scheme. You have to go out and execute the call properly. Like Joe Barry's not out there missing tackles. Joe Barry's not out there, you know, not keeping lane integrity and rush, rush integrity and letting Tommy DeVito, you know, get out in front of them and run for first downs. You know, that's, that's not the, DC's fault at all but I think at the same time what you just described culturally and probably in the way that they practice and all that also still goes back to the coach to me it's just a it needs an overhaul in just the way that they view themselves and I go back to this um Mike Daniels tweet recently I don't know if you saw this but just in like he he used to get kind of Um, dismissed, I guess is the way I would describe it, for being, you know, really savage and really aggressive. Um, 
And that's what this, that kind of attitude is what this side of the ball needs. They are not maulers. Nobody is afraid of them. You know, they, they are not going up and beating you at the line of scrimmage. No one, no one's afraid of them. No. Uh, it goes back to like what Sala said last year, right? So someone needs to go and just kind of like overhaul the locker room on that side of the ball. Um, and it has to come from the coach. And again, like you look at a Joe Barry and his attitude is not going to bring that. So I still think it does all go back to leadership. That's reasonable. That's fair. Before I let you go, what are they saying about Aaron Rodgers in New York? You're out there in the Big Apple. What is it? What is it like? You just watch from can afar I, from here. Can I say that I ignore it to the best of my abilities? I have been the last couple of weeks. I kind of keep forgetting that he's gone on McAfee. And then I see quotes. It's like, oh, yeah. And it's just bizarre. But I do like I do watch uh, WFAN clips uh, that they put on YouTube and Twitter to see what they're ranting about in their New Jersey accents about Aaron Rodgers. It's pretty funny. I just love that I don't have to pay attention to his off the field antics anymore. It makes me so happy. <laughs> it's just never ending. It's absolutely never ending. They could come to Lambeau next year if the Packers, if their season plays out a certain way and the Jets do end up getting third in the division, it looks like they will. Aaron Rodgers comes back to Lambeau. I'm sure the script writers are trying very hard for that. Crossing their fingers. Do you think Jaron Hall looks like Joe Webb on Sunday Night Football or do you think he looks like Colin Kaepernick? God, I hope it's the former. (laughs) Me too. I hope he's throwing the ball over his head as he's getting dragged down by Clay Matthews. I'll never forget. This is a game, as we mentioned previously where the blue chippers really need to take over it's your it's the this kid's first start make it hard on him just imagine if the packers good players start playing good this team could be Mm. this team could be pretty solid like all the guys we expected to be good all the guys we paid to be good i can say we because we're owners so we i can say we i try not to be a we guy but thank you perry appreciate you have a great new year i love saying this people i will talk to you next year Have a happy new year, Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, appreciate you listening. Hope you're having an awesome day. Mike Clemens in about a half hour. He's going to be here at 530 as is tradition every Tuesday and Thursday during Packers season. Adam Stenovich, Joe Barry speaking with the media. I don't, I mean, what, do we need to make Joe Barry do this? <laughs> you, like, you know what I mean? Joe Barry's even got to be thinking, do you, are you sure? Do I, do I need to? What am I, what am I even going to say? Does any of this matter anyways? Let's be real. Do we need to keep rolling Joe Barry out to the podium every Wednesday or Thursday. Probably not. Let's be honest. It's not like Adam Stenovich is an interesting interview. He's pretty no nonsense, pretty bare bones, straightforward. You know, I Malafleur and his coordinator, we never talk about his offensive staff. I'm always complaining about Joe Barry and complaining about all the defensive assistants, how they can't develop players, how they can't scheme correctly. And this is on the players, too. If you're just joining the show, like this is not a bagging on Joe Barry's show. I think his players are acting like a bunch of kids. When the real kids on this team are on offense, they're actually the ones driving the bus right now. Like Devondre Campbell's tweeting through his feelings like he's Drake. And and Jair Alexander's butthurt because he didn't get named captain. I, I remember I was not named captain one time of the cross-country team. 
I was 15. And I handled it better than Jair handled it this week. It's just ridiculous. Like, grow up. But, but, to go back to the offense, we never talk about Matt LaFleur's offensive staff. You know, it's it's weird because Nathaniel Hackett was coordinating the offense under LaFleur, totally. But he coordinated the offense in a year where their red zone offense was prolific. And the way that they executed, I mean, it was it was tremendous in 2020, 2021. They were great. And then he goes on to the Broncos and sucks, and he's mostly sucked with the Jets. Um, but Matt LaFleur made that higher. It worked really well. So even though our recent data with Hackett isn't good, was he a good hire for LaFleur? And Getze, much of the same. Like, the Packers were really humming when Luke Getze was here, which, of course, is why Getze and Hackett were hired by other teams. Getze goes on to the Bears and really sucks. I guess take it from Bears fans. They don't like him. It's a lot of behind the line of scrimmage stuff, a lot of screens. They didn't really use DJ Moore a lot in the first half of the year. Like a lot of Bears fans have a bone to pick with Getze. And then Adam Stenovich is the one holder and the offense kind of goes in the tank this year early. The offensive line goes in the tank early and they figured it out. So now what do we think about Adam Stenovich as an offensive coordinator or as an offensive line kind of conductor, maestro, whisperer, whatever? You know, we always pick on special teams coordinator, defensive coordinator. I think we have a lot of evidence of Matt LaFleur doing a really good job filling out his offensive staff. Um, and I, I, I don't know that just because Nathaniel Hackett goes on to flop as a head coach, um, I, I don't know that that gets held against Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur gets credit for that hire. That hire was fantastic the year that he was in Green Bay. Goes on to Denver is not any good, but it's not like it's been that much better with Sean Payton. It was not a good situation Hackett went to. I don't think he's a good head coach. I don't know if he's a good offensive coordinator when he's the one calling the plays. But for Matt LaFleur's purposes, for all intents and purposes, it was great. A lot of talk about coaching staff. I just want to make sure we're getting a good holistic look. Offense, defense, special teams. We're going to take a two-minute break, get an update from Zach Heilper, and come back hour number two. I want to talk about the Broncos and Russell Wilson, actually. That's next on the Wisco Sports Show. stake and we're going into a great environment next week in minnesota and you know it's going to be a great challenge but this is what we prepare for every day every week we'll be excited about that opportunity this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air now here's your host grant bills I'm still thinking about the Joe Gao thing. I know we didn't talk about it. We talked about it for like three minutes at the beginning of the show, and then we moved on. I'm still thinking. I can't stop thinking about it. News broke last night around the end of Bill's huddle. Joe Gao released. No, not really. (laughs) Not released. It's not football. He was fired. He was relieved of his duties as chancellor of UWL for not just his involvement in adult film, but he starred. He was a star of the show. Um, I couldn't fall asleep last night. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I, I, You know, UWL alums far and wide are, are reconnecting today 
to talk about their experiences with the chancellor and their experiences at, at UWL. Joe Gao is, I don't know, he's kind of a legend. Like, this is a wild way to go out. Think of all of the different ways in which public servants have been relieved of their duties or forced out of office. Racketeering, sexual, and racketeering's the wrong word, actually. Um, embezzlement, that's the word. I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of American politicians that participate in racketeering. I could be wrong. I don't watch a lot of cable news. Embezzlement was the word I was looking for. Thank you, got it. Uh, embezzlement, stealing public money, uh, fraud, sexual assault, abuse of power, all these things. A chancellor in the UW system was removed from their role yesterday because he just wanted to do it with his wife and put it on the internet. And there is a certain... There's a certain respectability to that. It's like, all right, you want to do that as a career now. You were about to retire. Now everyone's looking up your stuff and you're going to do some wild numbers on your videos and you get to live your passion. All right. Who am I to tell a man no? Isn't that all? Isn't that what we all wish we could do is just live our passion? They say if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, which is not true because work is always work. But it's less like work when you love what you do. And Joe Gao obviously loves to do it on camera. So go Eagles, my fellow UWL alums today, uh, rallying around the removal of our chancellor and laughing a little bit because it's funny. It's not like he tried to hide it. When I saw the story yesterday, um, I'm like, huh, interesting. And then some of my degenerate friends went and found the the content under uh, that's so hotly contested right now. Oh, no, they, there was no hiding. Um, that's very that's very clearly joke out in those videos. There was no effort to conceal identity in those videos. So good for him. I, I know we're talking about sports, but just know that my brain is 99 percent focused on uh, what was announced from UW lacrosse and the Board of Regents last night. So I, my mouth is moving and it's talking about the Packers, but my brain is still trying to process all of this. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens is going to be here in about a half hour. I want to talk for a couple of minutes about the biggest news in the NFL yesterday until Jair Alexander was suspended, which then that became the biggest news for us. But before the Jair suspension, the Broncos announced that they're benching Russell Wilson to maintain financial flexibility in the offseason because if he plays these final two games, then some financial kickers kick into place and they owe him more money or God forbid he gets injured, then they're on the hook for even more money. So they're saying, look, you're not going to be back next year. We are now doing damage control. We want to spend as little as possible. It's going to be a hefty bill. We're going to cut you a big check to not play here anymore, either in trade or, or to cut you. But we want that check to be ideally smaller or as small as it can be, so you're going to sit down, which makes sense. Like, this is what the Raiders did with Derek Carr last year, and the Broncos lost to uh, the Patriots the other night, which effectively ended their season. I know they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're effectively eliminated, spiritually, emotionally eliminated. That kind of felt like their season, and the Broncos said, all right, we're sitting you down, which when I saw that, I said, makes sense. Russ mostly stinks, and I know they won some games earlier this year, but their defense got a ton of positive turnover luck and Russ simply didn't completely stink. The turnover luck has gone away, and Russ has gone back to mostly stinking. You watch him in the pocket. You watch him against the Patriots. I mean, you can't play that guy. He, he is that bad. Like, Jared Stidham might actually give them a better chance to win. So I was 100% understanding of where the Broncos were coming from, the way that they were doing business. Then this report comes out from Jordan Schultz, who has been hired by Bleacher Report. I thought he was just kind of his own... 
a man uh, kind of off to the side, just a sports insider that occasionally would pop up on like the herd and he would break stories. I guess he's officially with Bleacher Report. Now, I'm going to read you this tweet that he tweeted yesterday. Now, this is kind of lengthy. We might pause to talk about individual parts of this report. Um, I don't just want to read it verbatim and then move on. That would be rather boring. So here's what he tweeted. Sources to Bleach Report, the Broncos threatened to bench Russell Wilson weeks ago if he didn't remove his injury guarantees. Russell Wilson's benching by the Broncos today is solely financially related and has been in the works for weeks per multiple sources with direct access to the situation. Okay, so it's it's only money. Let me stop Jordan right there and just comment. This is also, in my opinion, a football decision. I'm not sure that Jared Stidham gives them a better chance to win. I'm pretty sure he doesn't give them a worse chance to win. Russ has been horrendous. Like He misses guys who are there. He can't function Sean Payton's offense. He's bad. Okay, so while this is mostly financially rated, it's not like Russ has been lighting it up and they're benching him anyways. Okay, let's make that abundantly clear. Let's continue. The Broncos approached Wilson two days after their October 29th upset win over the Kansas City Chiefs and told him he would be made inactive for the rest of the season if he did not adjust his contract and defer the injury guarantee trigger date that was for 2025. Wilson has $37 million in injury guarantees for 2025 that will become guaranteed no matter what on the fifth day of the 2024 league year in March. So imagine this. Put yourself in Russ's shoes for a sec. You just beat the Chiefs for the first time since I think Peyton Manning was in Denver. Like it, it was some insane number of games in a row they had lost to Kansas City. I think it was upwards of a dozen. I think it was upwards of 15, if I remember correctly. Could be wrong, but it was it was a huge number. So this massive emotional win for Russ and for the Broncos and for the fan base. Maybe it wasn't pretty, but what a massive moment. And then the team comes to him and says, hey, look, you need to adjust your contract or we're just going to bench you because we're not continuing to spend this money on you. So a little bit of an odd situation. I'm going to continue. At the time, Wilson was coming off a three-touchdown game and it went over the Chiefs, yep, and was starting to experience the type of success he envisioned following a challenge first year in Denver. The threat, however, quote, shocked him, and the two sides got into a major dispute on how to proceed. The fact that it went this long without us knowing about this, that's impressive to everyone involved that this didn't leak. I mean, if this happens with the Jets, it's on... It's on radio and TV three hours later. You know what I mean? But I did my cap to the Broncos, actually, and all the parties involved. The issue remained, but the Broncos stuck with Wilson as the team strung together primetime wins over the Buffalo Bills and the Minnesota Vikings, followed by another win over the Cleveland Browns, one of the league's best defenses. Wilson, 35, had started all 15 games this season and completed 66% of his passes for 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 8 picks. When the threat was made by the Broncos... The team, Wilson's camp, and the NFLPA and another unknown party, interesting, suspicious, and mysterious, were involved in negotiations that ended with no change in Wilson's contract. And it all came crashing down when Sean Payton and other top-level members of Denver's organization decided to go ahead with the plan that they've had for weeks. Okay. So I don't know how the NFLPA would view this. Right? The franchise is basically not blackmailing, not extorting, but they're basically telling him, hey, look, change your contract around or we're going to bench you and you're not going to play the rest of the year. And I feel like you can't do that, right? Right? I'm looking around the studio as if someone is supposed to help with my confusion. There's no one here. I don't think you can do that. I guess maybe we'll learn more 
and maybe the NFLPA eventually puts out a statement about this at the end of the year. I, I don't know. Seems like that's dirty pool. Seems like he can't do that. Now, setting that to the side, let's put that idea on the shelf. The fact that this was probably an abuse of power in some way by the Broncos and probably frowned upon by the Players Association. Let's put that on a shelf. We understand that. Over here, on another shelf, I also understand why the Broncos are doing this. They paid him a ton of money. And the results they're getting are mostly bad. And the Broncos won some games, but it's not like Russell Wilson all of a sudden started to play like the player that, you know, the contract would claim at, you know, millions and millions and guaranteed dollars in the extension that the Broncos gave him. So while they started winning, and according to this report, Russell Wilson started to experience success, Russell Wilson did not wiggle his way out of Seattle, go to a new team, Come up with a new slogan, get a big old contract extension to be a game manager, right? Like the idea all along was I want to play in a spread offense. I want to do what Rodgers does and I want to do what Brady does and I want to do what Breeze did. And I want to do the other big boy quarterback things that Pete Carroll and the Seahawks have never let me do. I want to go find a greener pasture, get a team of my own and really showcase that Like, I can be a high-level pocket passer. Well, he can't, right? Seattle was onto something all of those years. Plus, now he's lost a little bit of athleticism. He looks bigger and bulkier. He doesn't run with the same instinct and the same aggression that he used to and the same effectiveness. So while they were winning games, he was winning games as a game manager. And you know me, I'm not anti-game manager, but when you not demand your way out of a situation, but when you obviously want to leave your current situation to spread your wings, to make more money, to lead a team, you can't then go to that destination and be like, what, we're winning. Well, no, that wasn't the equation here. The equation was not simply to win games. The equation was we pay you a lot of money and we have a blue chip quarterback. So I understand why the Broncos are like, man, you have not lived up to your deal. We'd like you to restructure. It's well within Russ's rights to say no. And then I guess that's, you know, why the Broncos said, well, what if we just deactivate you? Which again, I don't think is on the up and up. That seems like dirty pool, but I'm, I'm no contract lawyer. I'm no expert on the NFL CBA. This is weird. I do have some sympathy for, um, for Russ in all of this, especially because the guy who's coaching him is Sean Payton. I make it abundantly clear. I think Sean Payton is a very good head coach. There are some that think he's overrated, that think he's Mike McCarthy. Look, McCarthy's got his flowers this year. I think most believe that McCarthy is a pretty good coach. Yeah, he's not considered on the same level as Belichick, Shanahan, like some of these other great coaches the last you know 15 years or so. But Mike McCarthy gets his flowers, and I don't think there's some great imbalance. Sean Payton is thought of highly, and I think Mike McCarthy is thought of highly. So I think Packers fans were very protective of the legacy and the accomplishments of Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl. Sean Payton won a Super Bowl. I think the rest of Roger, or not Rogers, McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay was more successful than Sean Payton's tenure after the Super Bowl was. I don't doubt that Sean Payton is a really good coach. I just think he's a jackass. Uh, And I guess he has right to be frustrated, but he knew what he was walking into this year. He got paid a ton of money to go coach in Denver. 
Very rich ownership group. Got a massive contract. He knew Russell Wilson. He probably knew about his personality, about his limitations. So I I don't really feel bad for Russ. It's the nature of the business. I don't really feel bad for Sean Payton. This is the kind of stuff. Here he is yesterday asked about the criticism that Russell Wilson has faced. And I just think that this is... This is why I don't like Sean Payton. It has nothing to do with his coaching acumen. Again, I think he's a very good coach. I just think he's a jackass. So here is Sean Payton. And the tab is muted. So as I was saying, as I right-click, uh, here is Sean Payton. Well, I get that. And, and yet, um, I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers. And and, it, and if it continues over huh. a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. I, it, it, this, this is something that, you know, these are difficult decisions. And obviously, there's more attention when it's the quarterback who's, who's under contract, but different than maybe, you know, earlier decisions we've made with maybe last year's prior starters. Uh, I can just assure you one thing, and, and honestly, and, and I've said this to Greg and George a number of times, I'm just interested in winning. And, and it doesn't matter how, um, when you do this, you know, for this long a, a period of time, it's all you're interested in because there's nothing like it. And then the other side of it, you know, there's nothing like that either. So, so the rest of it, like, there's not really a great answer in there i think he's he's telling on himself a little bit when he's like well, i can't get five new wide receivers i can't get five new offensive linemen okay so it's everyone but you right and I, like i think sean payton's a really good coach so i think i think i think part of him is correct here in that this team isn't very good but you don't say that and for packers fans who want to bitch all the time about Lafleur? Well, I got to be better. I got to coach. I got to. Yeah, because that's what you say. Even if it's not true, you don't say, well, what do you want? You want me to go and get five new offensive linemen and five new wide receivers? I'm sure Matt Lafleur earlier this year would have been like, hey, none of my wide receivers know what they're doing yet. And the offensive line is, we got a bunch of kids out there. You know? So that's the other side of the head coaching press conference accountability coin. I'll take Matt Lafleur's side over that. Um, I don't really feel bad for Russ. He's making a ton of money, and he made this bed, so now he's laying in it. Same with Sean Payton. What a weird situation. What a weird... And they play the Chargers this weekend, I believe, so it's going to be Easton Stick versus Jarrett Stidham, just like the schedule makers drew it up, right? Same with Chiefs-Bengals. We thought we were getting a Joe Burrow-Patrick Mahomes rematch again. It's always such a good game, and instead we get Jake Browning. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back. Get a couple more things off my chest before we get to Mike Clemens. He'll join us at 5.30. Wisco Sports Show, back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Mike Clemens in about 10 minutes join us i thought maybe about getting a bucks guest on the show tonight because you know they've had a busy week they played two games in new york they beat the nets last night which is a fine game i don't have much to say about it Um, and then senator herb cole passed away too and there's so many good herb cole stories like jim ozarski put out a story at the journal sentinel today it was it was great go read it and early on the bill michaels show today we had jim ozarski we had ted davis we had Peter Fagan. 
So if you want Herb Cole content and you want stories about the Herb Cole Bucks and kind of what he did for employees of the Bucks and people around the team, just go listen to Bill Michaels podcast. That's all. I don't need to replicate content. Like, go find it. It's the same network. I'm not on. I'm not a part of the show. I'm listening. But spiritually, I'm kind of there. So if you want great Bucks content, and there's no shortage of it today, again, Jim Ozarski, Ted Davis, and Peter Fagan, who kind of talked about the transition from the previous ownership group to now and how the arena got built. And it's it's really cool. Lots of good stories. So I thought, nah, I only have two hours tonight. We're already having Mike Clemens. Bill did a good job kind of covering the Bucks earlier today. So Bill Michaels show wherever you get your podcasts. I believe Ted Davis was on at 1130. So that's hour two. And then Jim O and Peter Fagan, both in the one o'clock hour. So hour four, you can go find that. It's really good interviews. Don't listen to it now. This show's not done yet, but later tonight or, you know, tomorrow morning, go listen to it. Don't don't listen to it now. Uh, We don't take calls on Thursdays, but I do take tweets. So if you have anything to add, I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Hit me up. Just talking a little bit about this Russell Wilson story. It's fascinating. I, I, I both feel bad for us and I don't. I mean, he's making a pile of money. This is what's difficult when you want all the money and you want all the cloud and you want it. I'm the man and it's Broncos country. Let's ride. I want my own office. I want a chance to prove that I can do what Tom Brady did and what Aaron Rodgers can do and what Drew Brees has done and what Peyton Manning did back. I, I want out of Seattle. I want a chance to do it. I want the contract. I want everything. Well, then you have to deliver. And there's some expectations, right? If you work in your company and you make, say, 500 grand a year and all your coworkers make 100 grand a year, there's going to be certain expectations on you. And if the company starts to go sideways, there's a good chance that your bosses might come asking for some of that 500 grand back. They're not taking it from the employees that make 100 grand. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Grant, those are, those are pretty big salary numbers. Is that your kind of salary? Is that why your mind went there? Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Yep, I make somewhere... Um. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yep. I said. Yep. That's exactly what I make. Keep thinking that somewhere between a hundred grand and five hundred grand. That's why I chose that scale for that example. If you are making all of the money and you and you got the extension and the franchise kind of built everything around you, well, if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, then you're probably not going to have a great time, and the company's probably going to ask for some of that money back. The company's probably going to have to, at some point, go in a different direction. If a company invests in an employee, in a talent, in a manager, with the idea that that person is going to fix this, that, and the other thing, and that money is going to be paid back through bigger profits, right, more success in that company, and that doesn't work out, well, then something's going to change, right? And Russ went out there to be the man, Broncos country, let's ride. So the Broncos are like, dude, we, we can't keep doing this. His extension, by the way, hasn't even kicked in yet. It kicks in after this year. Stop trading for old quarterbacks and extending old quarterbacks when you don't have to. Right? With Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I didn't even grasp this at the time, but when Rodgers' first extension happened, not first like 2008 extension, but kind of in the, in the post-McCarthy or kind of second half in the Brian Gutekunst era at least, Rodgers got that extension in 2018, and what I didn't even appreciate or understand at the time is that Rodgers had, I believe, I believe, two more years on his contract, and then the franchise tag was available as well. So the Packers had three, and then if you you use it a second time, which, again, I know these teams don't like to use the franchise tag, so I get it, but they had years of team control over Aaron Rodgers. Oh, got to get an extension done. Got to get an extension. You don't have to, though. (laughs) 
The extension for Russ is a nightmare. If the Broncos gave up what they gave up to get Russ and it didn't go great, okay, so you're without picks for a bit. But the great part of the NFL, and this isn't true of the NBA, is that you have second, third, fourth, fifth round picks. And if you draft well and 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 you know, you do a good job finding players later on in the draft, you're not completely cooked. In the NBA, you give up first and second round picks to get a superstar and it doesn't work, you're toast because you don't have supplementary draft picks. Like, you have a top 100 pick in the third round if you're a, if you're a bad or an average or a middling team. Like, they're, they're, you can get quality players there. Probably not every year, but, you know, between the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, you can you find quality players in there that play for cheap and that can be a part of the team. So the trade for Russell Wilson in and of itself not the end of the world. The contract extension is the trading for Deshaun Watson, multiple firsts and second round picks. You take a big swing. It didn't work. It's the money. It's the guaranteed extension. We are living right now in a golden age of dumb teams, poorly ran teams, taking massive swings on quarterbacks and flopping, right? The Broncos going for Russell Wilson the Browns going for Deshaun Watson when Joe Flacco has been much better the last couple of weeks. He was on his couch when the season started. You can talk about the Jets and their acquisition of Aaron Rodgers. Um, Rodgers got hurt. And I want to be fair to Rodgers when we talk about this Jets season. He blew out his Achilles. What do you want from him? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there was a little drama about his return, and he certainly still found a way to make headlines. But just talking about the football It's not really Aaron Rodgers' fault that his offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who was hired to coach Aaron Rodgers, hasn't exactly lit the world on fire with Zach Wilson, right? It's not totally his fault that Alan Lazard, who was brought in to play with Aaron Rodgers, maybe isn't totally lighting the world on fire with Zach Wilson. Like, this looks different, I think, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy. I didn't think it was ever a Super Bowl team, and you can go back and you can check the tape. This is not me going, I've been saying, I've said this for years. No, they had one good wide receiver, a terrible offensive line, one good running back and a 40-year-old quarterback, that's, a, that's what he had in Green Bay, except in Green Bay he had a better running game and he had better offensive line, and his top wide receiver, Devontae Adams, is better than Garrett Wilson. So tell me how we're supposed to now all of a sudden go do this out in New York and it's going to work better? The defense is better, sure. So Rodgers gets hurt, right, and we'll see how it plays out. I would wager that the Rodgers trade in the end is probably viewed as a disappointment. Hey, look what the Panthers did. The Panthers gave up multiple firsts to go up and get Bryce Young. It's the pick that is going to go for Caleb Williams. It's DJ Moore. Like, these teams are taking huge swings on quarterbacks. Trey Lance is another one. Like, we're in a golden age for quarterback trades that have absolutely flopped. Right? And I, and I don't know if teams are going to look at this and say, oh, we're going to go to, you know, you know if this is going to change process and processes of teams and the way that they acquire and, and build around quarterbacks moving forward. I don't know. But we have a lot of evidence that the last couple of years, like, let's not give up a haul for an aging quarterback. Because if that quarterback was still any good, the quarterback would stay. Like, the team wouldn't want to trade him. If Russell Wilson was all that in a bag of chips and he really was the pocket passer that he wanted to show the world he could be, Seattle probably wouldn't have wanted to trade him. Seattle probably would have let him cook, right? If Aaron Rodgers wasn't a massive pain in the dong, Green Bay probably wouldn't have traded him, (laughs) but they did. So a little buyer beware with some of these aging quarterbacks. When you can get Baker Mayfield, look what he's doing. I'm happy for Baker, right? When you can do what like the Lions are doing with Jared Goff. I don't know. We don't need to give up a haul for a guy who's on the wrong side of 35.
especially weirdos like Russ and Aaron Rodgers. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back. Mike Clemens will join us. Get the latest on the Jair suspension, what he heard from Joe Barry and others who spoke to the media today, and his sense of this upcoming Packers-Vikings game Sunday night football, New Year's Eve, U.S. Bank Stadium. Five minutes, and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Last year, we voted for captains, and this year we took a different approach to try to allow everybody to kind of have a voice when given that opportunity and empower those people when given those opportunities. And like I said, we, we rotate a lot of guys through. It's Matt LaFleur. I'm assuming answering a question about how the Packers selected captains and why Jair was not a captain and maybe why he felt like he should have been a captain. That's Matt LaFleur. Here to join us on the Wisco Sports Show, Mike Clemens, who spoke with Packers coordinators and others in Green Bay. Joe Barry wrapping up his press conference uh, around an hour ago. Mike Clemens, welcome. How are you today, Mike? Pretty good. Let me ask you and any of our listeners that are Packer fans driving home, Mm -hmm. okay? Who's David Long Jr.? Uh, Who is... uh, Who is uh, Robert Rochelle? Who is... What's it, Zane Anderson? What can you tell me about a Zane Anderson or a Christian Welch? So Christian Welch. Zane Anderson's oh. a safety, right? I think. Is he? Robert Rochelle? They've been injured a lot of the year. I just see them on the injury report. I've never seen them in person. I've never seen them play. I just see them on the injury report. My point is these guys are a heartbeat away from playing Sunday night on New Year's <laughs> Eve oh, in God. front of millions of people. How about an Anders Carlson? Well, no, that's your that's your kicker. I'm looking at some of these other names. These are on the 53 active list. And so if you're the new defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, uh, you're saying the same thing. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? And and you, you suspended Jair Alexander. And uh, you got Eric Stokes out there, and he's hobbling around after, as he keeps saying, even the, even the defensive coordinator said, well, he's been out 13 months. I mean, it's like, what do you want from this? What are you giving this guy to work with? Yeah. Joe Perry. Yeah. What are well, you giving him to work with? The safety group was weak coming into the year. And yes. Savage has missed a lot of time. And Nixon, I I mean, has Nixon been better or worse than you would have expected? He's given him some great plays, given him some bad ones, but they don't win that Chiefs game without Nixon. You know, it's hard to completely minimize the impact that he's had at a position we didn't have high expectations for. Who's the vocal leader of the Green Bay Packers defense this year? Mike, you tell me, because I was complaining last hour. I got Jair Alexander, who's in his upper 20s. He's getting paid money. He's been in this league complaining that he didn't get named a captain. We got Devondre Campbell tweeting through his feelings. Meanwhile, the 23-year-olds on offense have to be the grown-ups on the team that keep this thing stable. Who's the leader? You tell me, because from 10,000 feet over here in the studio, it looks like nobody. In that bumper you just played. That's something that LaFleur said today, and I just thought it popped in my head. Do you know why he never had them vote for captains or that he appointed captains? Because when they got to the end of the camp, they couldn't name any themselves. Yeah, they were they, they didn't know, and, and we knew that at the beginning of the season. You know, week one, it's like, we'll give it six or seven or eight weeks. We'll know a lot more. But then again, Mike, you know, especially on offense, they've had so many players in and out of the lineup you almost have to name captains week by week in a season like this. I think the Packers you know, are doing you know, it correctly. 
Do you know the guy who was yelling in the locker room, the guy who was the most vocal during the season? You traded him. Yeah, Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas. <laughs> Joe Barry. And you got Jair Alexander, who's a clown, who's standing on a table saying, two minutes, two minutes, you got to get out of here. You know, but I told you about that, Dave. I was just like, what is going on? I mean, you know, he's the entertainer. But uh, Devondre Campbell is probably your most serious, you know, oh, man, now that's a linebacker. You know, yeah. that's a guy who makes yeah. you stand up straight. And he's been injured most of the last 18 months. Yeah. And I so, uh... <laughs> so, and so here's LaFleur. Mm-hmm. And so he does his little thing where every week, okay, well, and he says it's not even based on uh, how the player performed in the previous week or something, but on merit. In other words, okay, you know, you, you won all the pop quizzes or you you did something insightful or you helped out a team. And, you know, it's. It's whatever, but you know he's got a he's got a captain for offense, defense, and special teams. He's got those three guys out on the field up against Carolina, and then Jair runs out there and does his stupid thing where he, you know, it calls it calls tails. It's it is tails, and says, yeah, we want to have defense on the field. And he almost screws up the coin toss instead of you know we defer, we defer, which means we want to receive to start the second half. That's how you make that clear. And that whole thing. So you got that suspension going on. And of course, as Lafleur, I think uh, I, I appreciated him pointing it out that this goes back to the stuff that we've been talking about on this show for about six weeks. Like, what is the deal with Jair Alexander and what's going on there? And the week after week with, the, and not going to. He didn't get on the plane for the Giants game. They held him the day of. They were getting on the plane. Yeah. Hey, you just stay home and work on your rehab. You don't need to make this trip. Well, and it's it's funny, Mike. I, I thought of the movie Moneyball when the suspension was announced. And if you've seen it, like the manager, Art Howe, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's in his office and Billy Bean comes in and says, you can't start this player. You know, we traded him. And he's looking back at Brad Pitt. He's like, you're killing me, man. Like, you, yeah. Joe Barry's got to be like, what? So I, I haven't had Jair all year. He already traded Rasul. I'm coaching for my job. Everyone's already mad at me. We're playing a de facto playoff game against some of the best receiver, maybe the best receiver in football. And now you're going to, oh, God. It's like, you're killing me. So this is, you know, this is the, what's going on back and forth. I'm not, listen, is Clemens saying they should hang on to Joe Barry? No, not necessarily. I could probably name five guys I'm, I feel very confident, starting with Steve Spagnuolo, who I got to have coffee with at the Super Bowl. Brilliant guy. I mean, really sharp guy and knows people and knows how to run a business, you know. And, and, and just by being around the guy in about 20 minutes, you want to go out and, and, you know, rip somebody's head off on a football field or Wink Martindale or, you know, a bunch of but, – but just think about – seriously, what you're paying for for your defensive coordinator and what you're giving the guy to work with, and you just, you know, sign Rashawn Gary for $107 million. But, you know, Rashawn's not exactly that personality. He's a speedy athlete. And Kenny Clark is a nice guy who's consistent and can tie up two, maybe three guys in defensive line. But you don't have somebody who's, you know, you know what's touched the ground. So Joe Barry, though, Here's a typical Joe Barry. You know, this is NFL coach loser talk. Oh, you know, this is like what Ron Rivera has been saying for eight years. Gosh, we're only five plays away from winning that one, gang. We're only five plays away. Joe Barry came up with a new one, 53 minutes when he was asked. So you had the game in the bag, and Bryce Young puts up 14 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, you made Tommy DeVito look good with the Giants, who's now since been benched. Mm-hmm. And Baker Mayfield had a career day at Lambeau Field 
and then you make Bryce Long, Young look good. What happened, Joe? You know, I, I told the defense this. Um, you know, they had Monday and Tuesday off, so the you know, first, first time we saw them was on Wednesday. I thought for 53 minutes we played, you know, very well. Um, but the last seven minutes of the game, you know, we give up two crucial third downs, you know, have a couple penalties that, that hurt us. Um, but I thought, you know, up until then, um, you know, right about that seven-minute mark when it was, you know, 30 to 16, um, I, I thought we, we flew around and played pretty well. Didn't they have on one of those third downs, Matt LaFleur had to take a timeout because they had 12 men on the field on defense, yes. didn't they, Mike? Jesus, yeah. Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, substitutions, man. When when you're not getting substitutions in time, then that's when you get out the hook when it comes to a coaching staff or yeah. some players as well. Now, listen, um, we talked about Devondre Campbell two and a half, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He's a very intense dude. And within five minutes, you say, oh, man. I mean, he just – he's – He's like Darth Vader, you know. He just when he talks, he's so intense, to the point, and that's what you want for a defensive leader. But the guys had high ankle sprains, jacked up his ankle last year. Now he's still on the. By the way, he didn't practice again today. He's dealing with some sort of a neck stinger, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on there. Now I didn't hear this correctly until I played it back before I sent you this clip. Because Quay Walker was willing to talk today. Quay doesn't talk often. He's a great kid and, and a, I think a tremendous football player. But um, he listened to him say something. i got to be careful about what I say. i got to be smart about what I say. I didn't catch that because there's 30 people around him, and I'm reaching out my arm with a microphone. And but I'm asking. I said, listen, we talked to Devondre. He's incredibly dedicated to playing with you six years seven years younger, basically his replacement at inside linebacker when they drafted him. You two guys are something special, right? Is, is that the way you feel about Dre Campbell? Uh, I'd be smart when I ask him that. Uh, Any time I played with him, I felt like he gave me more confidence just by him being a guy with a ton, like a ton of experience or whatever the case may be. And uh, that was it, i say. He just gave me a ton of confidence lined up beside him. Just getting prepared and everything like that. Stokes trying to distract me. My bad, y'all. Come on. Do you feel like the defense needs to make a statement in this game? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we got to go out here and play with a lot of physicality, hold guys up. Um, get off the field on third downs. That's one thing we can do. And uh, capitalize, get turnovers. It's easy for me to say that, but we actually have to do that on Sunday. So, so yeah, I'll say Either one, you know, both might be a little selfish for me to wish for at this point, but get off the field on third down or force some turnovers. Both are good. This is a weird. So was he saying that this little soundbite right here, and I'll replay it, this is because Eric Stokes was distracting him? I'd be smart when I asked him that. Uh... What, what is that? Uh, when a player might be getting answering something serious, the guy next to him, like Eric Stokes, grabs his phone, turns on the light, and pretends like he's another TV camera. Yeah. He's clowning. He's yeah. joking around. Or like he's going to answer a question. That goes on a little too much these days. Yeah. Sometimes they're keeping it loose. They're having it fun. But that gets to be a distraction when these players pretend like they're part of the media. They sneak into the huddle. They want to hear what their teammate's saying. And they're just they're clowning around like that. So in the meantime, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, the most important thing that happened in the NFC North this year 
I think you could have predicted that the Lions last year were probably going to be uh, at the top of the of the heap. But they played physical. Dan Campbell had his program up and running, and they've done that. I think the key play of the whole NFC North this year, and it's not even that Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets. It's that Kirk Cousins had 24 points up on you before he blew out his right Achilles and yep. ended the season. Yep. Otherwise, this would have been a whole different picture. So now these Vikings are going through backup quarterbacks. Nick Mullins throws two picks. They bench him. That Josh Dobbs, my God, he, he ran in. It was introducing himself in the huddle in a game, won the game. They had him on the Today Show the next day, and now he's he doesn't even he's persona non grata. They're going with Jaron Hall, the fifth round pick, who you know they've only got about 70 snaps on tape between preseason and a couple of you know series he's played so far. Uh, but I asked Joe Barry about this because, listen, your 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 defense was without Jair or Eric Stokes this year, essentially, and your yeah, and your linebackers should have been Quay and Trevondre Campbell. And so I said to Joe Barry, how much difference would your be, be defense have been this year, and the leadership, if you'd had Campbell and Quay Walker on the field together for more snaps this season? You know. Um... A lot. I mean, first and foremost, um, I, I, I do want to I'll answer that specifically, but I do want to give praise to, you know, Isaiah McDuffie's done a done a great job when either one of those guys have been out. Um, Eric Wilson, even at times, has gone in and done a, a great job for us. But, yeah, when you're talking about, you know, Dre and Quay. Um, I think that falls into you can make the same thing, you know, with our secondary. You know, it's. I talk about consistency a lot and guys being able to play together and gel and come together week in and week out, day in and day out. Um, that consistency is built. And, you know, especially from an inside linebacker position, you know, specifically what you're saying, there's, there's, a, there's a comfort and there's a consistency that takes place when the guy to your right is all the same and the guy to your left is always the same. And... Um, that's created through time with just building reps. And, um, you know, Dre relays on, relies on Quay for certain things and vice versa. You know, Quay relies on Dre. And um, it's, it's, it breaks my heart for him because I know how bad he wants to be out there and I know how bad he wants to play. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll continue to heal and, and get better and we, we can get that. But, yeah, that, that's 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 been a big thing, I think, for for both guys, um, not having that that consistent partner next to you consistently. Well, I lost my attention span about halfway through there. I um, I mean, Isaiah McDuffie's looked fine. It's not like Devondre Campbell's looked that great when he's been out there. I I don't know. I reject the idea that this defense would look markedly different if both of those guys would be out there together every week. I don't know that I buy into that. A year from today, Joe Barry will be somewhere in the NFL as a linebacker coach and like an assistant defensive coordinator, and he'll be where he's supposed to be, probably. Uh, you know, he mm-hmm. today, Joe. So they said something about. So, what do you think about this Vikings defense or offense? And uh, you know, who do you think is going to be a quarterback? And he says, Well, you know, we have a thing called a two deep, and uh, we we introduce that to our players on Wednesday mornings. Two deep. Who, who are the second guys you mm-hmm. know to expect? And uh, we had Jaron Hall the fifth round pick at quarterback on our two deep. And I'm like, you know, Joe, every NFL coach mm-hmm. in the league has a two deep. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Joe. You know, but how about this? 
So how come no one talks about Rich Basaccia? I mean, yeah. every time you watch a Packers game on TV uh, in the last month, they, the announcers point out that their special teams have more penalties than any team in the NFL. And then they go out and commit a couple of more, you know, like Van Ness that, uh, you know, gets uh, uh, running into the kicker. Yeah. Or uh, they, you got 10 men on the field or something. Here's why. Here, listen to how Rich Basaccia breaks things down originally. Yeah, great question. I think the penalties kind of go in they kind of go in categories. I think the first one would be you know concentration penalties, false starts, um, uh, offsides, uh, maybe on offense, and and um, uh, you, you catch a guy on they catch us on a, a head bob on putt return or you know they, they kind of go in those focus concentration categories. And the next category is fundamentals and technique, or you you, you block a guy in the back, or you hold a guy with your hands on the outside of the framework of your body and those are things we can coach and we can correct and then the third one would be you know selfish penalties where you throw a punch or um, you hit a guy late or you tackle a guy out of bounds or you're just not doing it correctly so I think to some degree they're all correctable um, to your point I think some of them were maybe misaligned call wise some of them were definitely penalties on in our problem with uh, poor fundamentals some poor technique some of those things I think we've really only had one selfish penalty where we kind of wanted to talk back to an official and it cost us 15 yards so um, I think the penalties we've had uh, are correctable and I'd like to think that we're moving in the right direction you know so I think the good part for us in that game was there was two called against them you know on their kickoff return team and forcing two penalties is a is a good thing too we got about two minutes Mike but just one thing I wanted to add to this is I I kind of expected him to say that because I remember last year Basachi was asked about penalties and he he broke them up he's like I'm okay with occasional penalties of a aggression or he used some word like that so this answer is kind of in line with what he's preached but you know it didn't get better last year they were penalty ridden this year they're penalty ridden so i want to i want to point this out to you if i go to a defensive player like quay walker Mm -hmm. and ask a direct question about the situation he says i got to be smart with my answer yeah or you go to rashawn gary and i gotta look at the film if you go to Keyshawn Nixon, and I said to him, Keyshawn, uh, honest, I feel the same way as a fan. When I see Keyshawn Nixon uh, back there and he catches the ball, he secured the ball, now he's going to start that kickoff return, I say, you know what, nine out of ten, t- ten, ten times, I'm excited you're going to take it to the house. Don't you feel that way, Grant? Right? Yeah. But Keyshawn Nixon is, oh, man, he's going to bust this one. Right? He's due, yeah. And he says, no, he said ten for ten, but go ahead. <laughs> And I said, I said, so what's different this year? Why you're not getting the bigger returns? Honestly, I don't, I don't get the same looks I got last year. You know, uh, a lot of teams don't send everybody when I go kick return. They, a lot of people like leave their ones off late when I break it. So it's like it's not as easy as it is last year. But the, the scheme is a scheme. Uh, we gonna scare them no matter what. Uh, nobody wanna really kick us the ball especially not head-to-head and let us do what we want to do. So we just, Rich just do a good job of just trying to game plan and figure out what good call is going to be for that one. And then last year, it was just the right call. It just hit. And sometimes it don't hit, and sometimes it do. But it's, a, it's all, at the end of the day, it's not on me. It's not on the blockers. It's just got to be one unit at one time. I do think there is some some luck in kick returns. Like, you know, you get good looks, a guy falls down. I, I, I don't know that. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if but it's best for the Packers this. to keep my, chasing that. Like, let's. My point is this. My yeah. point is on something as simple as a kickoff return. Mm-hmm. The player there, Keyshawn Nixon, just told you because they are layering their coverage now, they're keeping guys back waiting for me, which is killing some of my returns. 
And secondly, he names his coach by name. Rich has got this planned out for us. Yeah. You don't hear that on defense. Interesting. Interesting. I need to think more about that. I got to get my last break in, Mike. I appreciate you. We'll talk tomorrow on Bill's show, uh, and we can maybe preview Jaron Hall a little bit. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you, Grant. Have a good one. See, that's why, Mike, that's why, you know, I can listen to these clips and I think I know what's going on. It is, these guys believe in Rich Bisacci. The results aren't necessarily great, but they do believe in him. They don't with Joe Barry. That much is clear. Three minutes, we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show wrapping things up. Going to turn things over to Ebo and Austin. We're live at Monks and Sun Prairie. They are the honorary hosts of Temple and Heilprin because Temple and Heilprin are in Florida. So if you really need your Zach fix, he will be on in hour number one of the Bill Michael Show tomorrow. Live from Tampa, Boca Raton, Miami. I think Tampa, yeah. Ebo and Austin next. Talk to you tomorrow for.